Imagine a world where children have never tasted brownies, where trail mix is just nuts and raisins, where you open up a box of chocolates and just find emptiness. This is the apocalypse. Well, it's the chalk-pocalypse. Although the stakes are still very high. It's chocolate, so... Very high. <laughs> I know. I Yeah. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. And today, we're joined by Nikki Twilley, the co-host of the Gastropod podcast, who's taking us to suburban London, where inside a thousand-square-meter greenhouse is all that's standing between us and the chalkpocalypse. That is after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. It's humid, it's warm, um, and everything is, is plant all around you. Nikki Twilley writes about the intersection of food, science, and history. And a couple of years ago, she found herself inside a very unusual building, the International Cocoa Quarantine Center. Everything is cacao plants, and they're all quite small. And the reason they're quite small is because they're young. And so <laughs> they it's sort of, it's got like a cacao plant nursery vibe, I guess. Cacao is the plant that we use to make cocoa, which gets turned into chocolate. And the reason all these baby cacao plants are gathered and tended to inside of this greenhouse is that cacao is a very sensitive, very delicate plant. It's one that is unusually prone to disease, and the diseases it gets sound kind of terrifying. Witch's broom, frosty pod, uh, vascular streak <laughs> dieback, uh, swollen shoot virus. Um, there's a whole sort of series of, <laughs> of these diseases, and, and which often will reduce uh, the yield of a particular plantation by 30% regularly. That's sort of the cost of doing mm. business. Now, a lot of plants are susceptible to diseases. That part's pretty standard. But here is where it gets tricky. Cacao is grown primarily in just three places in the world, South and Central America, West Africa, and Southeast Asia. And in each place, it has its very own special place-specific disease its own 30% cost of doing business. So in West Africa, it's swollen shoot virus. Witch's broom is found across South and Central America. And vascular streak dieback, that is a South Asian specialty. It's somehow managed to develop 
exactly as sort of toxic uh, and really ferocious diseases, I guess is the word I'm looking for, in all these regions, which is a rare talent amongst crops, apparently. (laughs) So I'm guessing that it would be bad if all of these three pests were to be sort of present in all the growing environments. Exactly right. Uh, In fact, (laughs) uh, Paul Hadley uh, at the University of Reading told me that would be curtains for chocolate. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, just let that sink in. Curtains for chocolate. That's a really bad thing. That's a really bad thing. Okay, so this is not great, but we still have options. We have ways of making sure that cacao plants stay healthy and therefore chocolate stays a part of our future. Option A would be to just stop moving cacao plants around. They'd still be dealing with their own local set of diseases, but they wouldn't be up against a kind of injustice league of cacao diseases that could arise if we put them all together. Unfortunately, Nikki says option A isn't really an option because basically we have to keep breeding new varieties of the plant so it's strong enough to survive its own normal diseases and also the changing climate. And in order to create new varieties of cacao, you've got to crossbreed plants that are genetically diverse. So plants that come from different parts of the world. And so you have to go to plan B, which is one of my favorite topics, quarantine. That's right. Quarantine. But, you know, for plants. At this point, we're all very familiar with this concept, at least as far as being stuck in your house is concerned. But Nikki started thinking about quarantine over 10 years ago. And she and her husband, Jeff, have written a book about it called Until Proven Safe, The History and Future of Quarantine. And as it turns out, quarantine is definitely not just for people. It's for anything we need to keep safe from contamination or contaminating us or each other. And in the case of cacao, with a $130 billion industry at stake, quarantine is one of our most powerful tools to keep the chocpocalypse at bay. And so what that looks like, bizarrely enough, and it isn't what at least I would first picture, is it looks like a really big greenhouse about the size of an Olympic swimming pool in suburban London, just to the west of London in Reading. And and that's where 95% of any cacao plants that are moving around the world go and spend pretty much three years in quarantine. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Those poor plants. Someone should get them Wi-Fi. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, you say those poor plants, but actually it is all Maud Cons in there. So we Uh, visited on a day in March that was, you know, typical British weather on the outside. It was drizzly. It was cold. It was gray. Um, Inside, they have set it up to mimic, you know, the tropical understory that cacao plants love. So it's heated. There are shades to get the light level exactly right. It is it, it, The humidity levels are very carefully engineered. So they may not have Wi-Fi, but they have really nice conditions for a cacao plant. The cacao plants are brought into the greenhouse as what's called budwood. Basically, a little twig with a single bud on it. But before it can be proclaimed free of disease, there are two steps. First, it's grafted onto a mother plant, which then grows for nine months, very fittingly, 
and produces even more buds. However, it's the next step that determines the plant's fate. Then those buds are grafted onto a special kind of rootstock from what is called an indicator species, which basically means that it's really a sickly species. And it sort of, if this bud was carrying any viruses um, or uh, one of these horrible frosty pod things, you know, (laughs) swollen shoot virus, this indicator plant will succumb to it and show all the symptoms. Paul Hadley and his team spend a couple more years keeping an eye on these indicator plants before the buds are finally given the all clear. So it's a really long process, and it's really bizarre in the greenhouse because all the indicator plants are in the middle, just waiting to sort of become sick. And all the mother plants, which is what they call them, are lined up around the edge like they're watching their offspring for uh, signs of disease. So that that's the setup there. I can't help but, like, the human equivalent would be, like, someone going and, like, coughing into the face of a person with a terribly weak immune system and then sort of standing back and being like, do do they die? Oh, I mean, it's terrible. It's like as if the way we tested for COVID (laughs) is to send you to an old people's home and see if anyone gets sick. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's really kind of messed up. I mean, but we're talking about plants, which is, you know... So slightly different stakes. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Do you have to take any precautions going in or going out? Was there any concern that you yourself could be kind of a vector? Oh, that's such a good question. So this gets at why this quarantine facility is in suburban London of all places. Because Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel like where you want to grow West African tropical plants or, or anything growing in it. Yeah. Yeah, there aren't really a lot of cacao plants in the rest of the UK, um, and they don't find it a particularly hospitable environment. Um, And what that means, though, is the surrounding environment offers no uh, bugs or diseases that are going to be well adapted to tropical conditions. And if anything does escape from the facility, it's not going to find anything it likes either. It's not going to be adapted to live in British conditions. And so me coming in, you know, many of the places we went to for the book, I mean, almost all of them, it, was, it became a joke how many times we had to take off all our clothes uh, to, for this book. I mean, constantly uh, to get inside these facilities. Yes, you take off all your clothes, you shower, you uh, put on special equipment. Uh, anything you bring in with you is not allowed out ever. It has to be incinerated, etc. But for the cacao facility, no. I mean, I just kind of hopped off the train from London and wandered in and, uh, and it was fine. It's like the Alcatraz model, exactly. you know, where like what's on the outside of this facility is so unhospitable to these plants that it might as well be like an island. What happens if the power goes out? It occurs to me that that would be disastrous. I, it would indeed. And actually, the scientist who runs the facility, uh, Paul Hadley at the University of Reading, told me that his 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 true nightmare in fact, is the power going out. Um, because if the temperature drops to 53 degrees or lower for more than a couple of minutes, that's it. The plants die. They all die. Uh, so... for a, Wait, a couple of minutes? A couple minutes, he told that's, me. That's... Oh. 
but oh, he no. <laughs> has he sleeps with an alarm that is you know connected to the the temperature control system and could be that you know on the scene in seconds flat it's a, that that's the biggest fear cacao is hardly the only crop facing this kind of precarious situation i hate to be the one to tell you this but we're not only in danger of a chalk apocalypse there's the banana apocalypse and even worse, so much worse, the coffee apocalypse. I mean, be afraid. I mean, bananas have already been wiped out commercially once before. And this is the famous Gros Michel Big Mike banana that was the banana um, and then was completely wiped out by a virus whose name I can't remember, but it was pretty cool. And now we all eat a different varietal, the Cavendish. But there is a virus coming for the Cavendish, and actually researchers working frantically to develop, not, uh, you know, varieties that are resistant to it and so on. So, yeah, bananas are under huge threat. And I hate to say it, but coffee is too. We're actually, sneak peek, making a little mini-series of coffee episodes on Gastropod in February, and the threat to coffee is real. So that could be, I mean, depending on your dependence on coffee, that could be worse <laughs> than losing chocolate. I don't even know, you know, how to weigh that up. I, I think if coffee goes down, like, the whole world grinds to a halt. <laughs> I think basically the rail, we're, like, off the rails in ways we can't even. Can you anyway, imagine if that's, will, like, that uh, where we can't finally emerge from COVID-19 and then coffee is gone? <laughs> so, like, everyone would be like, yep, and we're done. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I hate to sort of end on this note, but do you think there's, is there a future where there's, you know, uh, no, no chocolate, no chocolate hearts on Valentine's Day. <laughs> well, I'm going to try and be, you know, moderate here. Uh, <laughs> definitely, there is that possibility if we are not careful to, you know, retain cacao plant diversity, to be breeding new hybrids, breeding that resistance in, to be paying for the quarantine facility then yes, actually, there is a very real threat. Maybe not extinction, but for example, one Ghanaian nonprofit said, listen, what we're looking at is a world where a Hershey bar is as expensive as caviar. So it's, it, it's not that like every last cacao plant on the planet would die. It's just that you, the price that we are used to spending uh, for chocolate would skyrocket. And so then mm. it, I guess if you if you got some on Valentine's Day after that, it would really be a sign of true love. Uh, thanks so much, Nikki. It's been really, really interesting, fascinating uh, to talk to you about this. And I, I look forward to doing it again. It was so much fun. Thank you. I mean, anytime the intersection of chocolate and quarantine is a sweet spot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Special thanks to Nikki Twilly for taking the time to talk to me uh, for this episode. You should check out her incredible podcast, Gastropod, and her new book, Until Proven Safe, The History and Future of Quarantine. Uh, you can also hear more from Nikki and her co-author, Jeff, on the Malta Lazaretto episode from a few weeks back. The links are all in our show notes. 
Also, in honor of Valentine's Day, Nikki says there is one thing we can all do to fight off the chalkpocalypse. We can all buy weirder kinds of chocolate. Supporting regional varieties of chocolate is a great way of helping cacao plants stay diverse, which will make them more resilient in the face of disease and climate change. And the flavors will also just be way better than your standard chocolate bar. So buy weirder kinds of chocolate. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was produced by Sarah Wyman. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Manolo Morales, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Casey Holford, Peter Clowney. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. Happy Valentine's Day. See you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure they are always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 